My name is Stephanie Ryan, and I'm the children's pastor here at Alive, and I am so excited to be able to be with you this morning. Most of the time, I am over there in the wing with your kids, and I love them to pieces, but today I get to be with you, and that excites me. So um, I want to tell you one thing before we jump into tonight's or today's message, um, but if you have children, raise your hand if you have children so I can see um, my parents here. Um, if you have children and you have not registered them for Kids Week, we have an amazing week planned for your kids, August 6th through the 9th. So I want you to go online on our AliveWesleyan.com, register your kids today if you can. Um, for those of you who don't have kids, you may not be aware of this, but on Thursday of that week, we're doing an all-out community event. Um, anyone in here ever watch America's Got Talent? Love that show, okay? So we have contracted with a BMX stunt show that was on America's Got Talent two years ago, and they will be here at our church. We want to invite our entire community. We want you to bring your friends. We want you to come, okay? So um, go ahead and and go online and register your kids and and come out that Thursday night for a great time together. So I want to pray for you, and then we'll jump in this morning. Jesus, thank you so much for... Um, Just being able to be in this room and be with these incredibly beautiful people who we call alive. And God, I'm just thankful that um, you are here, that your presence is among us, that you're walking among us. I pray you open our hearts to listen to what you have to to say to us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So um, I have to start with a question this morning, um, and I'm going to ask you to do a lot of things that require you to talk to me today because I'm used to speaking to children who scream at me, okay? So um, this morning, I want to start out by asking you the question, is anyone in here afraid of anything? You have a fear. Raise your hand if you have a fear, okay? Most people in the room have a fear. Now, I thought you, to get a little vulnerable, I would let you know my top three, okay? My top three fears. If you know me very well, the very top fear that I have are these animals, dogs. I'm so sorry for you dog lovers. Now, when I pull up in people's driveways and they have these creatures, um, typically what they do is they come storming out of the house 90 miles an hour. Have you been there before? And uh, come screeching at me, and I just jump back in my car and tell them to go away. So I ask you to please put your dogs away when I come to your house, okay? Um, The second thing that I would say I'm afraid of would be When I'm home during the day, I don't leave my doors unlocked. I lock my doors. Now, I will admit that there is a particular person on our staff, and to just um, save face, like I'm not going to mention my pastor's name, but he does make fun of me a lot for locking my doors when I'm home during the day, okay? Last thing I'm afraid of, you might um, not like me after this, I'm afraid of these things, Chicken wings, really weird. Um, I despise biting chicken off a bone. Anybody with me on that? Thank you so much. One person. I absolutely think it's disgusting, and I would rather vomit, okay? So that is what I'm most afraid of. So um, we all have fears, right? So as I was preparing for this message, I went online, and I wanted to see what some fears and phobias were, and I found this list called the phobia list. 
And the phobia list is made up of 500 fears and phobias that people have. I never knew there was so many. All right, so some of these phobias are legitimate, and they're very difficult to say, okay? So a legitimate one would be enoclophobia, which is the fear of crowds. Anyone afraid of crowds? They're the people that are sitting way in the back, back there, yeah. All right, some of um, the, the phobias on there are completely ridiculous, like, try to say that to your neighbor, sidonglobophobia, is the fear of cotton balls. I have never heard of someone being afraid of cotton balls. Have y'all? No, I've never heard. It's just, I don't get that. So um, because I'm a kid's pastor, I love to teach and have fun um, with your children. And so I'm going to have fun with you guys today. Are you all right with that? Y'all are staring at me like you just woke up, okay? It's 10 o'clock service. So we're going to have some fun today. And I thought it would be fun to have a friendly competition, Now, in children's ministry, they love to play boys versus girls, okay? So I think what we'll do is play boys versus girls in here this morning. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to put a phobia on the screen with three choices, and we're going to play guys versus girls. You're going to have to choose and scream out to me whatever you think the correct answer is, all right? And then we'll take the one that I hear the loudest, and then we'll kind of keep a tally The winner of this competition, here's the prize. Are you ready? I'm going to let you serve at VBS Kids Week in August, okay? I love it. All right, so we're going to start with the guys first. Guys, are you in the house? Let me hear you. All right, all right. So guys, here's your question. What is globophobia? Is it A, the fear of flutes, B, the fear of balloons, or C, the fear of body smells? What do you think? I hear B. I hear B. B. All right. The answer is balloons. They got it right. Good job, guys. All right. All right. Ladies, where are you? Ladies, let me hear you. Yeah. Okay. So here we go, ladies. What is electrophobia? Is it the fear of chickens? The fear of sitting down? The fear of garlic? What do you think it is? See the fear of garlic? All right, so the correct answer is chicken bones. That might be me, right? Okay. Guys, it's your turn. Guys are one, girls are zero. Okay, guys, you get to volunteer at Kids Week. I'm super excited. Okay. All right, what is, guys, coprostasophobia? You ready? The fear of being constipated. B, the fear of vomiting, or C, the fear of dandruff? What do you think, guys? A, A, you think A. I hear that real loud. It is the fear of constipation. I didn't really want to put the legitimate picture up there this morning. That would be really bad. Okay, so number four, ladies, come on. You got to come back here. What is homilophobia? A, the fear of bald people, B, the fear of hospitals, or C, the fear of Pastor Tom's sermons? What do you think? You think it's C. Okay, the correct answer is C, the fear of Pastor Tom's sermons. You are right. Now, as I was going through the phobia list, I came across one that was my absolute favorite, and I have to share this with you. So, 
Telphobia. Are you ready? The debilitating fear that while lying in bed, your husband's toenails will accidentally scrape against your leg, which is literally disgusting. Go clip your toenails, please. Okay? Causing his toenail to break the skin on your leg and deposit whatever dirt lives under the toenails into your bloodstream. I don't know where they come up with this stuff. So we're all afraid of something, right? Um, Fear can be as simple as getting the results from your doctor's visit. Or fear can be as debilitating as something that literally takes over your life, right? So when we fear, it turns into this physical response. Um, We sweat a little bit more, our our heart rate skyrockets, our blood pressure goes up, and we choose to either stand and fight or we choose to run away. Fear is this emotional response brought on by a perceived threat. Something happens that's beyond our control, and then fear is created, I'm not sleeping because my mind is on repeat a million times about something, and so I start to fear. I'm dreading what's happening next week. Fear. I don't understand what God is doing right now. Fear. I lost my job. I might not have community. My marriage might be falling apart. Fear, fear, fear. My kid, you can fill in the blank however you want to, fear. The threat comes, and our first response is, you've got to be kidding me, right? We panic, and we blame. We might dread what's happening. We go into denial, and we hold it really close. We don't let anyone know. We try to control it, and we let this anxious state Uh, control our situation. So then as the threat grows, the fear inside us worsens, and the stabling force of all that we know is good is compromised and questioned. Because what does fear do? It cripples us. We have trouble seeing when we're fearful what God is doing, and how this threat we are facing will ever be resolved because we think that God isn't listening or God has forgotten us. So our focus lies on keeping close, keeping control, instead of believing that God has a plan and his plan is good. Even though we can't see what God is doing, It doesn't mean that God isn't doing something, and whatever God is doing is good. Can we really let go and trust God that his plan is greater? So our hero this morning, I want to talk to you about this guy named Joseph. Now, when Pastor Tom gave me this story, I believe it's literally the longest story in the Bible, and I was like, 
13 chapters, Stephanie, you have to preach from. And so this covers 13 chapters of Genesis. We're going to talk about our character named Joseph today. And so in order to get out of here on time, um, I'm going to speed through some of it. I've got some props to help me tell this story, just like we're in kids' ministry. Are y'all excited? Yes. Okay. Um, And so I'm going to need a volunteer as well. Okay, and fear just set in and everybody's sliding down under the seat, right? Okay, so we have our character named Joseph. Now I need a volunteer. I actually have pre-selected my volunteer. This person doesn't know, and, and he'll be okay. Bert Epting, would you come to the stage? Let's hear it for Bert. Love this guy. So Bert Epting is a dear friend, and he's just hilarious, and so I thought he would do an incredible job telling um, our Joseph story today. So you got to show him some love. He's up here. Are you f- afraid? Very. You should be. Okay. So we have Joseph, and Joseph is this 17-year-old, okay? He's a 17-year-old, and for his job, Joseph is a sheep herder. Okay, got it, all right? He's a sheep herder, and he was the beloved son of his father, Jacob. Now, Joseph had 12 brothers, and my initial reaction to his parents would be, you've got to be kidding me, right? So Joseph was Jacob's favorite child, and he loved Joseph more than any of his other siblings, And so he gave Joseph this incredible gift. You're going to have to set the sheep down for a second, okay? This is beautiful. And I think Bert is going to look exceptional in this outfit. So go ahead and put that on. He gave Joseph this incredible colorful coat. And when he gave him this coat... This was a way for Jacob to show his love to his son. You can pick the sheep up. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Why don't you spin for us? Like spin. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Okay. So we have fun in children's ministry. Y'all should volunteer. Okay, so here we go. So Joseph gave him this coat, but Joseph did something stupid. Joseph made a stupid move, and he gave this beautiful colored coat to him in front of all his other siblings. And you, as you might expect, this didn't go over well with the brothers. His brothers hated Joseph. And to make matters worse, Joseph had these crazy dreams. Now, here's um, the first dream that Joseph had. Joseph dreamed that the wheat... The sun, the moon, and the stars were all bowing down to him, and that meant in his dream that his brothers would bow down to him. When his brothers heard this, their response would be what? Anger, upset. They couldn't believe it. They're like, are you kidding me right now? You think you can rule over us? And they hated Joseph all the more because of his dream and what he had said. So they got more angry. And they concocted this plan that they were going to get rid of their brother Joseph. So why don't you take the coat off because I'm going to have to give that back to the father. And we're going to put you in a very special place. 
okay? It's okay. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So um, they took Joseph and they threw him in a well. Go, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And in a well, there's lots of water, right? Yeah, I mean, he's soaking wet. I love burefting, okay? He's soaking wet. He's down in this well. So they take this coat, <laughs> they take this coat back to dad, and they say, Joseph's dead. And many of you know what happens next, right? Instead of killing him, his brothers sell Joseph, and he's taken to Egypt to be a slave in Potiphar's house. All the while, his brothers go home and tell their dad about Joseph being dead. Now, you would think right now that this guy would be highly medicated, right? Depression, anxiety, worry, fear. You would think that any belief that he had in God and that his plan was good for him would be completely thrown out the window. But the Lord was with Joseph. He lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, check this out. Potiphar put him in charge of his entire household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. You see, God was with Joseph. His circumstances were completely out of his control, but God wasn't going anywhere. And Joseph knew it. You could easily assume that if Potiphar believed in this guy that he was as awesome as he thought he was, Joseph would be okay, right? Not so fast. Potiphar's wife comes along, and she accuses Joseph of sleeping with her. So now Potiphar gets mad, come out of the well, sir, and he throws him in prison, okay? He throws him in prison, Can you be a little faster? (laughs) He throws him in prison. And he's more or less forgotten. He's more or less forgotten. And his world comes crashing down. Now, you would say um, for Joseph's story at this point, again, you've got to be kidding me, right? Here's what's going on in Joseph's mind. My family hates me. My family is incredibly dysfunctional. I'm a slave, but then I get promoted. Then I'm accused of something I didn't do. Now I'm alone sitting in prison. The perceived threat on Joseph's life is rearing its ugly face again. And Joseph has no way to control what happens next. And for some of you, Joseph's life is a lot like yours. You're on this roller coaster of life. You know, one second you're here, and the next second you're here, and up and down and up and down. And when you're up, everything is the way that we expect, right? It's good, it's great, life is going perfect. And then we go down this really big hill, and we're at the bottom. Life is bad, and something's hit that we didn't expect, It's hard for us to catch our breath, and we feel like we're drowning. We think God's missing, and we think he's not listening to us. 
And we cry and cry for help, but we hear nothing. But even though we can't see what God is doing, it doesn't mean that God isn't doing something. And whatever God is doing is good. Now watch what happens. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. He's going back up the hill, right? Joseph was literally put in charge of everyone in the prison. The worst thing happens for Joseph, and now God is flipping it around again. Joseph sits in prison for two years, is in charge of everyone there, and then he gets this honor of interpreting dreams of Pharaoh and the king. Pharaoh's officials, he's interpreting their dreams, and Pharaoh's, um, the king's dreams. So here's the dream that he was interpreting for King Pharaoh. I was on the bank of the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and seven other cows, scrawny and ugly and lean. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows, but even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They just looked as ugly as before. Then I woke up. Have y'all ever had a dream where it's like, crazy and you think it's real and then you go and tell someone and this is what their face looks like (laughs) that would have been joseph not lying okay because god was with joseph so here's what happened joseph interpreted pharaoh's dreams and this is what this meant seven years of abundance in egypt and seven years of famine and pharaoh was so impressed by what joseph did that he took him out of jail, okay? And he made him second in command of the entire kingdom. He put the finest robes on him and put a nice, beautiful gold chain around his neck. The entire country is under Joseph's command and he's highly respected by the king. Can you give Mr. Bird a big round of applause? Thank you, sir. So for seven years, he collected grain. The cities were ready, and it was all because of Joseph. So check this out. He goes from shepherd to slave to prisoner to second in command. God's plan is being revealed, and Joseph hasn't flinched for one second. Now, if I were Joseph, way back in the well, I would have thrown my hands up and say, no way, I'm not going any farther. Comprehending what God might do next would have been this fear-driven thing in me. But not for Joseph. Something was driving Joseph, and it wasn't his fear. He understood that God was with him, and he was surrendered to it. So the story is just getting good. Joseph is about to come face to face with his greatest enemies. His brothers are back. And God's about to flip the whole thing upside down. As at the end of seven years is predicted, 
there was a famine across the entire land of Egypt. In fact, it covered pretty much everywhere. Back in Canaan was Jacob. Remember, Jacob was Joseph's father. And he heard that there was grain back in Egypt. So he sent 10 of his brothers or his sons to buy grain, all but one kid, Benjamin, his youngest son, because he was afraid that something might happen to Benjamin. And can you guess who they ran into? Now, Joseph was the governor of the land, the one who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Remember Joseph's dream? way back when he said that his brothers were going to bow down to him, this is now becoming a reality. God's plan for Joseph is about to be revealed, and his brothers are in for a huge surprise. So Joseph said to them, You're spies. You have come to see the places where our land isn't guarded very well. No, no, sir, they answered. We've come to buy food. All of us are the sons of one man. We're honest men. We promise we aren't spies. They tried and tried to convince Joseph, but he wasn't letting them off the hook. So Joseph was going to see exactly what his greatest enemies were made of. Well, I'm going to test you. And here's the test. You can be sure that you won't leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. So what the brothers do? They left. The brothers left while Joseph kept one brother in prison to ensure that they would bring the youngest brother, Benjamin, back with them. Once they got home, the brothers told their father everything that happened, and either they had to send Benjamin back to Egypt or they would die because of the famine. Remember that even though we can't see what God is doing, It doesn't mean that God isn't doing something, and whatever God is doing is good. So watch this play out. All the brothers made this long journey back to Egypt, including Benjamin, and they all stood in front of Joseph, Joseph totally scared out of their minds. They were fearful about what Joseph was going to do, They were fearful about what Joseph was going to say. They were fearful that Joseph was not going to keep his word. In fact, they were fearful for their lives. You see, they still didn't know that this guy in charge was their brother, Joseph. So when they arrived, Joseph asked them to be taken back to his house. Now they're really fearful. Now Joseph was about to put them to the final test. He filled their sacks with grain, all the grain they could carry, and secretly placed a silver cup, his silver cup, in the possession of Benjamin, the youngest son of Jacob. And he said to his servant, Go after those men at once, and when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from? This is a wicked thing you have done. 
Each of them lowered their sacks to the ground, and the cup was found where? Do you remember? In Benjamin's sack. They still had no idea who Joseph was. And now their youngest brother, deeply loved by their father, Jacob, would be put to death. The fear had to be incredible. So they walked into Joseph's house. They knew that they would become slaves of Joseph. And watch what Joseph does. Far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who is found with the cup will become my slave. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. What? The boys knew that wasn't possible. You see, if they went back to their father without Benjamin, their father would surely die of sadness. They begged and they pleaded him for him, but there was no going back. They knew that this story was not going to end well. And then Joseph heard some words that he had been longing his entire life to hear. Well, we have an aged father, and there is a younger son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead. We're talking about Joseph. And he is the only one of his mother's sons left. And his father loves him. The boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves his father, he will surely die. Joseph could no longer control himself. His father was alive, and he was so excited that he had to reveal his secret. The fear in his brothers needed to be eliminated. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers stood there speechless. They weren't able to answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Then Joseph said these words I want you to listen so close to. He said, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. So, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. This is what I think God is saying to us as well. Hey guys, I don't intend to harm you, so stop being afraid. I'm going to provide for you, so don't be afraid. I'm accomplishing good in what I am doing, so don't be afraid. In fact, in the New Testament, 70 times, do not be afraid is repeated. Do not be afraid is the most repeated command in Scripture. Do not be afraid is not a suggestion. Do not be afraid is a command. In fact, did you notice who said Do not be afraid repeatedly in this passage. It was the person who should have been most afraid. It was Joseph. Not one time did Joseph say, I give up. My circumstances are way too hard. This is too much for me. I'm done. 
Not one time did Joseph let his circumstances lead him. Not one time did he say that he feared anything. Joseph had every right to. He had every right to be scared to death. And he had every right to live in that fear the rest of his life. But fear isn't Joseph's driver. God is. And he knew that no matter what, God was with him. So this morning, I kind of want to get a little vulnerable with you and tell you my story. Um, I haven't shared this before at Alive, and I've never shared it with your kids. But I tell you this story this morning because I love seeing how in a circumstances that looked so bleak in my life, that God was the one that redeemed that. So when I was a teenager... Um, one of those days turned to be the worst day of my life. And my siblings and I were home, my brother and sister, and my mom collapsed on the floor. I didn't know what to do. I was a teenager, so I just stood there and watched and cried and prayed. My dad wasn't home, and so we called him, and he came rushing into the house with one of our family friends, and they started doing CPR on my mom. I remember standing there watching the entire thing. The ambulance came, and they took my mom to the hospital, and so me and my brother and my sister and a family friend stayed and waited to hear the news. And I can remember that this lady that was staying with us, over and over and over, she kept saying, guys, no news is good news. It's okay, don't be afraid, no news is good news. Until my dad walked in and broke the news to his three kids that mama had gone to be with Jesus. My sister was 16, I was 15, and I had a little brother that was eight years old. And I can remember my world in that moment come crashing down in front of me. And I can remember reliving that night in my mind and in my heart for many, many, many years. And I tell you that story to tell you that God was with me. Did I question what he was doing? Of course I did. Was I hurt that my mom was gone? Yes, I was. Was I confused? Of course I was. Did I fear? I never remember fearing what God was doing. Because I believed in something so big that even though I couldn't see what God was doing, it didn't mean that he wasn't doing something. And I knew that whatever he was doing was good. Fast forward a lot of years, and we come to now. Um, I still question, like, why, God, when I was 15, did you take my mom? In walks this girl in my family's life named Paige Rouse. A picture of her. You guys have heard her story. Um, Paige has become the best friend of my daughter, Ellie. I didn't know Paige before that. When Paige was 15, she lost her mom to cancer. And I wondered, 
Was that situation that Paige came into our family coincidental? It just so happened that a girl who lost their mom when she was 15 is now calling her second mama me, and I've been through the same thing? It's not. Paige and I have sat together in my living room and across my kitchen table, and we've gone to lunch and breakfast and had multiple conversations about the whys and the fear and the questions, and tears would just roll down our face, and we could support and embrace each other. And I say that to say that I know without a doubt that Paige Rouse was brought into my life for a purpose, That no matter what I went through when my mom died when I was 15 years old, that he redeemed it when I was 44 years old. His plan for me and his plan for you is ultimately to bring him glory, no matter what. So to live our one and only life so in tune with Jesus and so dependent on who he is, friends, that's called faith. Faith is something that we believe in that we can't see and that we can't even begin to understand. Fear is like keeping everything right here in our hands and grasping it so tight that we can't let go. That's fear. Faith is turning it over to God. Fear says, I'm without him. Fear says, I'm never in anything, anywhere, at any time, by myself. Fear is controlling. Fear knows that I never, ever step into a situation that exists outside of my control. Fear is letting my circumstances determine who I become. Faith is God, make me whoever you want me to be. God, I trust you. I love you. No matter what is pressing down hard on you, God, I trust you. I love you. No matter what my kids are doing, fill in the blank. I love you. I trust you. You have a plan. I can't see it. But I know without a doubt that you are good and your plan is perfect. All of those repeating voices that happen over and over and keep you awake at night. God, I trust you and I love you. And I know that I know that I know that your way is good. That your plan is perfect for my life and for your life. Would you pray with me? As we sit here and think about what we just heard, I know there's lots of people in this room because I've heard your stories about things that we hold so close and that we ball them up in our fist and it's hard for us to let go because we don't know what's going to happen next. And so I pray as we go to God and talk to him this morning that you would just do that where you are. That you would be willing to just open your hands and surrender whatever it is that's causing you to fear.
whatever's causing you to question, whatever you're going through that seems far too big, that there's no way on this planet you can handle by yourself, would you just surrender it to God? Father, we love you. You are good. You are faithful. There's nothing that's outside of your reach. You're beautiful to us. And we know that you have such a perfect, incredible plan for every one of us. You've made us in your image. And so, Jesus, we know that we can trust you. But as human beings, Father, it's hard. When those ups and downs come and we don't know what to do, Jesus, it's honestly hard. Would you help us to release and surrender, trusting that you are good and you are faithful and you love us no matter what, no matter what we go through. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.